And I'm like, man, like I wore the same outfit last week. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. You know, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I just walk in. I'm like, I feel, hey, no pictures, no pictures, please. Alright, welcome back everyone. It's another episode of the Red Pill Generation. I am your lovable co-host, Tess, coming from you live, all the way from beautiful, fucking hot and humid though, Vietnam, land of pho, beautiful women, fucking, yeah, fucking nice living, digital nomadry, all that good jazz. And I'm joined today by a very special man. I think you know his name. You want to introduce yourself? Ladies. It's the sexy, sultry, uh, soulful, <laughs> salacious, scandalous Cafe Mocha. Well, that was beautiful. I, I like that one. So, so many S's. So many S's. Like a, like a sexy slither of a lady snake. Anyways, guys, so if you didn't check out part one of this podcast, we're talking about Mocha's experiences in China so far. We're mostly focusing on his kind of uh, traveling in business and getting started up, visas and all that. So part one was have the lead up, what he was planning to do before, some visa issues he ran into, how he got his first job, some money problems, getting pickpocketed, all that good stuff. So make sure you check out part one before you listen to this uh, part two. But uh, you ready to get started, Mocha? Yeah, I was born ready. Money. Yeah. All right, so... Where we last left off, you kind of got your job at this uh, this private English school. So do you want to talk about kind of what you've seen so far at the English job and how it's been? Yeah, actually, just a quick observation that I wanted to say. It was funny, like, because I went through that couple months where I didn't have any money. When I got, <laughs> when I got my first paycheck, I, I kind of went a little bit crazy, man, because... I just, I'd, I'd been like a caged animal for like two months, you know, I was really just like on a shoestring budget, like very, very disciplined, and then I got like a ton of money, and I was like, fuck it, right, I'm going, let me pop some balls in that club. I'm going ham, you know, like I was going out, I was going out a lot, um, and you know, I went on a shopping spree, the shopping spree wasn't too bad, like that didn't really cost that much, because again, I'm in China, so it's not that big of a deal, but like, yeah, I was going out a lot, and I was going out for dinners, and I was, I was balling out, like, yeah. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like, like, if you ball out in Southeast Asia, or in Asia in general, it's kind of like, whatever, you can live, but we've talked about this before, it's like, when you've gone through a stage where you can't really do a lot, or you're working very hard, you need that, I guess it's, uh, what would you want to call it? It's release. Yeah, it release, it's like, it's sometimes very uh, ego-driven or uh, it's very shallow sometimes if you're going clubbing all the time, but you kind of need it just to, to let loose and then you get back to normal. Man, I mean, anyone that listens to the podcast kind of understands my personality. Okay, I can hear myself. I can hear an echo. <coughs> um, and it's, not, podcast, it's not uh, coming up on the recording, so you're okay. Yeah, uh, they, understand my, they understand my personality. I mean, of course... You know, going through pickup, like, I, I put my ego aside, you know, and, uh, and I, I know where I am. I'm cocky as fuck a lot of times, but I'm confident, yes. But I understand my place in life right now, and, and I hope 
you know, I work hard and I become more successful. I'm always working at improving myself. But on the other side, I do feel like balling out. I do feel like being a boss sometimes. I do feel like being that guy where I'm out with my friends and then we have dinner. Like I did this quite a few times in China. And we have dinner at a place and drinks and shit. And then the bill comes out to like, let's say, $150, which in China is a lot of money, actually. It's not like it doesn't sound it, that's that's a big meal that's a lot of drinks in China and uh, for for two to three people and I'll just be like no 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 guys I got this <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I don't have the kind of cash right now to do that but like I hope once I get cash really rolling in that I would love to do that especially um, yeah. I don't know if you felt this way but for the guys who took you out and showed you around Guangzhou like I had guys who took me out the first night They've introduced me to a lot of people, and I got the job I have now because of a friend of a friend. And I'm like, man, I owe these guys so much. I want to take them out sometime again when I'm not flat broke. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely that that group of guys, and you know, so I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm like, yeah, I got this, and they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you just take out like a stack of cash, throwing those Mr. Yeah, Mouths on there. I just I just take out the mouths from my pocket, but. Yeah, anyways, it was just a funny observation. But, yeah, going back to working at a Chinese startup, my it's funny, man. Like, China is this weird juxtaposition of a place that is, uh, people are so hardworking. There's so much development going on. The economy is booming. A ton of intelligent people who know how to run a business. Maybe there's a difference. Maybe it's because if you take corporate China and you take manufacturing China, like industrial China. Industrial China, they know how to get shit done on a shoestring budget. They know how to get shit done fast, cheap. You know, they know how to get shit done high quality, and they also know how to get low quality stuff done. Maybe corporate China is is not is not there. You know, maybe corporate China is not on the level. But I can't really say that because you've got companies like Alibaba, which is you know, it's it's the eBay of of China, and it's bigger than. It's the biggest. It's one of the big. It's bigger than any online retail store in the world. So China's weird. Like, working at a startup, I feel like I, I look at the people above me and I feel like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> like I just I look at them. I'm like, this is not how you run a business. Uh, you know, for, uh, simple things would be like they don't communicate with the foreign staff. So you, we could come into work. And you find like half the school has been, half of the building office has been like renovated and changed into some weird area. And then we're like, okay, what? We didn't know this was going to happen. Are we still supposed to use this area? Like, this is what's going on. And then no one's. And then you have to physically go find like your manager and be like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, and uh, it's simple shit like that. Like, they'll make changes on a day to day basis that significantly affect your work. And not tell you why they're making these changes, or somebody will get fired. Like let's say a manager will quit, or a manager will get fired, and they don't address that this dude has just disappeared. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you're like, wait, what happened to that guy? And then you start thinking to yourself, like, could that happen to me? Because this is one day, just like I just fucking disappear, and no one talks about it, no one mentions, hey, you know, the guy that was here running shit. Is not here anymore. Like, <laughs> you got like kidnapped by gangsters or something. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like just the way they do stuff. Like that. Uh, those are my general observations. Then also the staff. 
um, they, you know, I, I always, people always think of Asian people as very, being very submissive. Actually, a lot of my staff is, they're very confident people, very open, very uh, cultured. I think a lot of them, because they went to university and studied, uh, like, English, their English is, is pretty great, and, and I can communicate with them almost perfectly. Um, and yeah, like that was that was cool. And of course, I'm I'm working with a ton of sexy Chinese chicks. That's that's always fun. Yeah, and actually, um, could you like what's the staff percentage? Is it mostly kind of Chinese locals, or is it more lo- or more foreigners? Sorry. No, it's mostly Chinese locals. Like at the moment, we have five foreign teachers, and then about fifteen to twenty Chinese staffers. That's including. Um, the promoters that they have outside, um, the management, uh, the like receptionists, and, the chicks uh, in pencil skirts you sent me pictures of. Yeah, those are the receptionists, and then oh yeah, the other chick was like she's a teaching us, she's a teaching assistant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's an assistant. <clears throat> yeah, so we have about fifteen to twenty Chinese staffers, ninety uh, percent women, and then five foreign teachers who are ninety percent men. <laughs> like there's, there's four foreign guys and then one um, chick from America. So, anyways, it was cool. Like the first couple months that I was there, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of learning. I'm getting my my feet. I'm, I'm getting my feet under me, and then uh, I wasn't really sure how far I can take it because you know when you read about like you know China being like you know, people being submissive and people being like afraid of being uh, scolded and not being expressive. I'm like, how much can I really push with the students? Are the students going to cry if I, if I'm more stern and all this stuff? And then I'm just getting my confidence. I'm learning how to teach, really. And after a while, like I would say, after about a month, I kind of got the hang of it, month and a half. And then you know, I'm, I'm beginning to like, if a student is disrupting the class, like I'm not shy to just kind of like not scold them, but you know, embarrass them or <laughs> or like make. Given the the. Uh... That black sausage kind of, well, not give them the black sausage, but, you know, the kind of discipline. Yeah, just be a discipline. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm really tired still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just Kurt. And then, you know, uh, one of the manager that was there when I first got there, he quit after about two weeks of me being there. And then the second manager that we got quit after a month of him being there. Jesus, okay. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, we had another manager who didn't quit, but her job changed, so they introduced another manager who barely speaks English. And then, you know, the, the other foreign teachers that were there, there was a couple Canadian guys that I found when I, was, when I first got there. They, you know, finished their contracts and moved back to Canada. And uh, we used to work part-time, she disappeared. So the only guy other than myself who's been there for longer than, like, two, three months, is this British guy who's been there from the beginning. And, you know, essentially I'm one of the most senior staff, <laughs> one of the most senior teachers, and I've only been at the school for four months now. So that that was hilarious. But uh, I, I won, after a month and a half of working there, after two months of working there, I won employee of the year, which... <laughs> Which is just hilarious. Like I was like, "What employee of the year?" Yeah. Yeah, the guy says cast- like it says like the other guys are not so great. If you've been there for you said was it a month or two months? 
two months. Two months, and you're like, okay, this guy's the best. I feel like other yeah. people might have been like, what What about us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the, like I said, the Canadian guys, the one guy, he was still there at the time when I won, but he was leaving like the next week. So I think that's part of the reason why they didn't give him the word. And then the British guy, the British guy is just a wallflower, man. He's just one of those guys who comes in, he does a shift, and he leaves. Like, he's got zero personality. Uh, he doesn't dress that well. He's he's always, like, I, I can tell. He's always hungover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like this, you know, skinny yeah. British So guy. it's kind of like the typical um, person traveling. It's kind of like teach English so I can travel and then party, but yep. otherwise I don't care. Yeah, he's he's a DJ. Like that's his real that's his real life. He's a DJ, so he, he calls in sick to work all the time, all the time. It's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so they gave me employee of the year in terms of foot, like employee in terms of teacher teacher of the year. Um, and I I knew that the students liked me because I mean apart from like female students calling me handsome and shit like that. Yeah, and other things maybe we won't get into this podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> but. You know, I've also had, like, you know, the, the male students request private tutoring with me from the, from the, you know, the staff, whatever. They, they, they talk to the management and say, hey, I want Kathy Mocha to, to teach me. Or, like, I've had, hey, can Kathy Mocha teach? We have two different, we have the, you know, classroom type setting where there's many students, and then we have the private tutoring. So, I, I, they told me I was getting a lot of requests, and then I've had students who say, "How? Oh, hey, you know, I requested that you be my teacher, but apparently you're busy and this kind of stuff." And you know, people, students were taking me out for dinners. You know, one with her, <laughs> it was like this is after like my first couple of weeks at, at the job. Like the student offered for me to move in with her, and I was like, "Yeah, that's not gonna happen." <laughs> but uh, you, you can know, have a nice girlfriend. What's the matter with that? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just uh, what for me was supposed to be just um, a place where I could go, just make some money and leave. It started to become more because at the end of the day, the, the type of person that I am, it doesn't really matter what job I'm doing. I could be a fucking janitor. I would do the best at it uh, at that job. I would, I would do my absolute best, and I would also try to, you know, bring other aspects into it and and and, and show that. that the management that I can do more than what I'm doing. So I think they start to recognize that. And then just before I left, just before I left for my vacation to Zambia, that's when I won employee of the year. So then I went to Zambia and you know, the funny thing is while I was in Zambia, I started to meditate on, on my, you know, my job because this job was really taking a lot of my time. I was working full time for the, the final two months uh, before I left. And that took away from my, uh, specifically the Kickstarter campaign that I'd be thinking about doing. Uh, of course, I can't go into details because the product itself doesn't exist. It was, a, it was going to be a new travel product. That's all I can say. And, you know, having worked full-time, I realized I, I couldn't work full-time and then work on my business after. It was just, I was too exhausted. You know, on my off days, I wanted to sleep. I wanted to like release all the tension from working fucking 40 hours, right? And uh, so I'm in Zambia and I'm just sort of realigning, I had a realign, realignment of my business ideas and then also working on my family's business. When I was in Zambia, I actually went and I, I, I 
saw the company and I really had an in-depth look at what's going on. And I realized that the only way I could possibly work that that company would grow properly is if I spent about six months in Zambia just sort of revamping the business and the processes and stuff like that, specifically with the staff and the way they go about sales. And it's not something I'm interested in doing at this moment in time. Like, I don't want to go live in Zambia for six months. It's just, it's just not what I'm interested in. So I guess I'm kind of pulling away from my family business even more so than I was before. Do you think, and like, yes. eventually in the future you'll probably go back to it? Or do you think that you can't really say that? It depends how other things go. Yeah, it depends on how other things go. Like, I mean, if my, you know, if my, whatever I'm doing right now comes to fruition, then I probably wouldn't make sense for me to go and work on my parents' business. But, you know, I, I, can't, say, I can't say never. Like, I've, if there's one thing I've learned since I've been here is that whatever I decide to do, Whatever plans I make, life. Yeah. Life. The, there's there's the, the stereotypical quote, life is busy, or sorry, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. And making, I've seen that. Yeah. That's what I've seen in Vietnam too. And it's also like, you think you're focusing so much on one thing. Like, um, just for me, I was trying to get a teaching job here in Vietnam as well. And it wasn't working out. And then suddenly another I, option popped up through a friend of a friend. Much better yeah. job, much better. Uh, much better everything pretty much and I had no plans but you know it was it's pretty awesome but um when you told your parents that you were kind of like no nah, I don't really want to work on the business were they upset or were they kind of like okay we understand well I haven't necessarily communicated that fully you know because at the moment the thing is that my my parents business is not my family business is not really super demanding like I'm more working as like I'm working more as a consultant right now and, or an agent, if you want to put it that way, like a, like a dropshipping agent. So my mom, she'll contact me and she'll say, I need, you know, I need you to go to the manufacturers or I need you to place an order for these products. And then I'll go, I'll place the order, I'll go do the quality, I'll do the QAC, quality assurance checks, and then I'll send the, I'll send the, the goods back, you know. So, I mean, I'll send the goods to, to Zambia. So... You know, things haven't changed that much. The only thing that's going to happen is I I made some promises to my to my mom, and I said that hey, you know, I'm going to do this, and I want to revamp that. And I did a few things when I was in Zambia, but there's a lot of things that I told I want to do for the future for the company. That's a conversation to have to have with her in the next couple of months. But uh, yeah, I haven't really I haven't really addressed that yet because I I only really made the decision when I got back and I was just kind of looking at my options and then also, you know, my, my partner, Vinny Vici, who was supposed to be doing the Kickstarter campaign with, he dropped out because he's decided that he wants to focus on his business in Toronto and he's not going to. So, yeah. But, uh, I guess I can go back to when I, so I come back from Zambia, right? Then I have this, now I have the new vision and I know, okay, Kickstarter campaign is probably going to be on hold. And, you know, not even my first week back, my manager pulls me aside and she says to me, hey, Cafe, yeah, we really missed you. You know, um, I want to talk to you about the future and uh, what's at this company and like, what are your plans? What, what do you plan on doing? How, how long do you plan on being in China? You know, I know you have your, your business outside of this, but, you know, I want to know, like, we want to grow this company with you. We want to grow this company around you. 
Uh, and how do you feel about going more into like you know the management aspects? And then how do you feel about us developing a business English course around you? And you you being the, like the head of this big business English course. And I'm like, whoa, okay, fuck. <laughs> at this point, it's still in my mind that I thought that I was going to be working at this company until July, and then I was going to quit. Right? Yeah, at this point, Mocha had uh, texted me. He's like, we need to have a conversation. This is like a life-changing decision coming here that I have to make a decision on. I was like, oh, shit, what's going on? Yeah, so I'm like fucking, you know, the first thing I'm like, sounds amazing, you know, to, to do a business English course, you know, the amount of connections I could develop, um, just even being able to have that under my belt, you know, to be able, like, yeah, I did this in China, like, I, I created a business English course and all that stuff, at, and then to go into management at 23 years old. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> in China, like, <laughs> you know, being like a black dude, you know, African dude. To whatever a Canadian dude like, it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't seem like a realistic story, you know. Yeah, it seems like it's it's made up. But like when uh, when your boss um, kind of told you this, obviously, like I, I know you, you're pretty good at controlling your ego, and you're not that boastful and stuff. But like, how did you feel about the offer? Were you kind of like taken aback, or you kind of like, oh yeah, this is something I deserve. I work my ass off. Uh, I wouldn't say I feel like. I felt like I deserved it based on the quality of the people around me, if that makes sense. So you mean like because everyone else didn't work as hard, or do you mean like, um, kind of confused? Okay, so in fact, it's a combination of two things. When I say the quality of the people around me, I mean that the other foreign teachers or the other just staff in general don't know what the fuck they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, or... Or, like, for example, you have the British guy who just doesn't give a fuck, right? Um, you know, but then at the same time, every company that I've worked at, it's been the same process. I get there, and, you know, like, my CV is okay, my resume is fine. You know, I always do well in interviews. I've gotten 9 out of 10, of, nine out of ten jobs that I've gone for an interview. I've gotten them. What tends to happen is I'm there for, like, a couple months, and then after a couple months, my manager pulls me aside and says... Hey, you know, I really, I really think you're a great employee. You're smart. You've got potential, et cetera, et cetera. It's always been the same thing. So I wasn't really super surprised. The difference is, I'm a little bit older now, and I'm working at a startup, which we're going to talk about in the future in terms of jobs that you should get, in terms of how you can mold a job around you. But I'm working at a startup, and you know, the difference is that they're not talking to me about, hey, the future. The future is now at a startup. Like, there's so many opportunities there. You can create your own job. So they're saying, they're saying, hey, you know, we don't know what we're doing, but we see that you seem to know what you're doing. How do you feel about, you know, getting a promotion? How do you feel about going into a higher level? And it doesn't matter about my age. It just matters about the quality of my work and my ideas and, and you know, my drive. So... I think, I, I felt like I deserved it. Um, at the same time, it's hilarious, you know, like, uh, if, I was in, if I was in Canada, the same company in Canada would, uh, it would probably take me at least a year to, to get into that position, you know, as opposed to four months or three months. Yeah, um, Mark Manson actually touches on this, though. This is kind of an interesting, but a lot of companies in developing countries or in Asia 
um, China, Malaysia, Vietnam, stuff like that, they'll directly put you into a management position with a high pay and then they'll pay for so much of the other stuff. One, because a lot of the locals are not, they don't have like the management skills and the backbone that uh, Westerners have a lot of the times, but also just because they're, they're hungry for people who are educated and can do this type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely. I, I think, you know, you have to look into the education system in China. You have to look into the, the, the culture of China. You know, North America is a culture where they, they encourage you to, to strive to do better. They encourage you to be more open-minded and to be confident about your skills, develop your skills, you know, uh, and then become a leader. That, yeah, I was going to say, it's also like there's a huge sense of... Uh individualism versus I would say in China, it's more like, I don't want to say everyone's the same, but there's like a certain standard you have to meet, like, and everyone's supposed to do it in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be, it used to be a communist country. So, you know, <laughs> not that long ago. So, you know, people are still in that mindset. People still want to do the exact same thing, especially when I talk to the, everyone, everyone studies business English, for example, you know, the, all the, the, the Chinese stuff, they study business English. What do they do with the business English degree? They either become agents for foreign companies or they go into like kindergarten teaching English. It's like, <laughs> it's always the same thing. Whenever I talk to a, a Chinese staffer, they're like, yeah, yeah, I want to become an English teacher at an elementary school. Why? Because it pays the best. What about starting your own business? What about, you know, maybe trying to get a job in another country. What about, you know, working for a startup? You know, all these, there's different venues that you can go down, but they don't think, they're not conditioned to think like that. So when, when they're in a workplace, in a work setting, it's the same thing. They're not conditioned to be individualistic. They're not conditioned to demand for more money. They're not conditioned to speak up when they think something is off or something is awry. When we've had staff meetings, I sit down and I tell the managers, you know, in the most respectful way possible, yeah, this is wrong, this isn't right, I think we can improve here, I think we can improve there, and mainly because I just, I don't give a fuck, and on top of that, I work there, so I'm going to be honest about my opinions, but I've noticed, like, when I do that, I've seen the Chinese staffers, and it's not like everybody's in the meeting, this is more maybe like the teaching assistants, but I've seen them kind of look at me like, wow, this guy is really just saying what's on his mind that's like, like they're really just shocked like well how how dare you, <laughs> you know? how dare you actually have an opinion and not go with the flow oh my god most people in china think i'm like 29 years old when i tell them my age they always get surprised Oh, 23. Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not going to bolster ego more, but I've talked about this uh, a lot. <laughs> right, but, um, like, okay, so once you, because you got this. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so you got this offer for the, the kind of management position, and then now you've kind of started actually, you taught your first business English class. You want to talk about that? Yeah, um, yeah, that was yesterday. Actually, I taught my first business English class, and uh, essentially, <laughs> it's funny because we were not supposed to do it this quickly. Uh, you know, essentially, it was like last week. My manager said, "Hey, next week we're going to do the business English workshop," and I'm like, "What the fuck? We haven't. I haven't done anything 
related to that since we since we discussed about it. In fact, I hadn't even really said yes per se. I hadn't really agreed to it. But uh, I said, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And, you know, um, they gave me, like, I've got, like, a partner, teaching assistant, a Chinese chick who also, she teaches English. She actually helped develop the curriculum at the, at the tutoring school. So she's, she's pretty good. She's a very type A personality, a little bit, like, kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, but uh, it's all good. So uh, anyway, she, she created like a, she was supposed to teach the class like the vocab related to the topic that we were doing, which was job interviews. And, uh, you know, she came up with a little PowerPoint slide teaching them, you know, the appropriate vocabulary, the appropriate grammar and all of the stuff. And then I was supposed to get into the meat and potatoes, which is, you know, how to create your CV, um, uh, resume, cover letter, and then also the actual interview um how, you know, just basic skills, like, uh, you know, how to dress for the interview, uh, what you should, how to communicate your best features and your, your experiences and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, it was fun, man. Like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like, I was telling Tess earlier today, it was more like I was teaching them self-improvement rather than, rather than business, you know. It was just, I was, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, if you're a teacher, you're supposed to be objective. You're supposed to teach them you know, the, the, the information. But at the end of the day, you've got an opinion. I've got experiences. So all my self-improvement and pickup and business knowledge that I have so far came into play. And I was talking about, you know, things that were maybe somewhat unrelated and I'm teaching them about, like, confidence and all this stuff. And, you know, uh, I could tell the students really enjoyed it and they were really engaged. And I could have been talking about it for three, for, for three or four hours. I do rush over a lot of points, a lot of language that they didn't understand. And, you know, afterwards, the students said that they learned way more from my part of the lesson rather than, you know, the, the teaching assistant. And the teaching assistant actually came up to me afterwards and she was like, Uni, I want you to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... All your, all your students are going to be cold approaching in no time. Yeah, I guess, you know. But, you know, that's the thing, you know, you're talking about ego. Uh, I mean, I, I, I touched on it earlier. I don't know if that was part one on this episode. China can really, really fuck with your ego. Like, those days, it fluctuated more so prior, but there's days when you feel like, you know, you're Superman. You feel like you're on top of the world. Then there's days when you feel like you're being bent over a desk and <laughs> as wrapping a big black dildo in your ass, you know, like... Oh, so so graphic. I, I'm glad you, <laughs> you went that way. Um, no, I, I kind of know what you mean. Um, it's something I've experienced here. And I think it's something you have, you learn how to deal with it. So you take all the compliments you get and you take everything that happens that's good to you. But you also know that kind of life is a roller coaster. It goes up and down, and you can always improve, right? So one yeah. common example, or an easy example, is women. So um, in Asia, as a foreign guy, especially like a white guy in Southeast Asia, it's like you can't. It's not like you can just snap your fingers and a girl will jump on your dick. But they're more interested in you because they like white guys and they like foreign guys. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there's times when I go out. And sometimes I'll expect good reactions at night and, like, I'll get blown out and I'll be like, but that's fine. It is what it is. So even though, like, let's say I'll get some good reactions from girls, I'll get some bad reactions too. Same thing with business as well. Um, one of the business 
or my main business that I've been working on, which is content creation, um, has been doing really well. But then there's been some downsides as well that I've had to go back and forth with Mocha on. And I feel like it kind of just balances out. So you know that you're doing really well. You're getting all this feedback that's good, either whether it's about your personality, your business acumen, uh, even your looks, you know, depending on what area you're talking about. But then you'll have some times when you'll get beaten down and you'll be like, well, you know what? I still have a lot to improve on, but I can always know that, you know, I'm doing really awesome and, you know, I deserve the credit that I get. Yeah, definitely, man. Like, um, yeah, you have to keep it in perspective, right? Um, for me, I'm kind of, I'm, uh, it's weird. Like, I'm, I go a little bit back and forth. Like, I have it in perspective. Because of pickup, like, because of destroying my ego so many times in the past, I have that perspective that, hey, this is not, this is real, yeah, because I'm in China. But if I go to any other country, if I go, you know, back to North America, or if I go to, not any other country, but if I go to North America, for example, I'm not going to get that reaction, that I'm going to be, like, walking into work every day and, oh, so cool, oh, so handsome, like, (laughs) it's not... That happens to me every day right now. Like, I'll be walking into work and, and these are people that see me every day or at least, you know, three, four times a week. And I'm like, man, like, I wore the same outfit last week. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I just walk in, I'm like, I feel, hey, no pictures, no pictures, please. But <laughs> yeah, put on the sunglasses again. Put on the, yeah, that, but, you know, I have to keep it to perspective. But the, the, on the flip side, I've, had moments, and I talked to you about this last week, is like my students pay so much attention to what I wear. I'm starting to feel pressure in terms of repeating outfits and things that I never really thought about before. Like I always cared about fashion, of course, but I didn't really care if I wore you know the same shirt twice in, in four days, five days, whatever. Like I washed the shirt, I'll wear it again. You know, it's not a big deal. But now it's like, I've worn like, like a pair of shoes two times in a row, and then I had a student come up and come up to me and say, "Why, why you wear the same shoe two days in a row?" Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, the accent you did then was hilarious. Why you wear said shoe two days in a row? <laughs> two day in a row, huh? cafe. Why you not wear the other one? I like the other one. Whatever, like, what? I'm like, what it's like, I'll wear whatever fucking shoe I want. What the fuck is wrong with you? What about what? I felt comfortable. Like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah, can't the black man wear whatever class, shoes like, he wants? Fuck. <laughs> pay attention to class. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's like, now you know what your your students are really paying attention to. But, um, so I guess you, since you just did the, the first business English class, you can't really talk too much about it, but... I guess based on that first class, do you think it shows a lot of potential to keep on going and that you can do a lot of, can you, do you think you can actually give a lot of value with the, with the class and your, and actually making the curriculum? Yeah, definitely. I think Ashcroft, Ashcroft kind of laughed at me when I told him that I was going to be doing this business English class. (laughs) He's like, what kind of, what value are you going to provide? I'm like, man, it's not that I'm teaching, I'm not teaching them business. Like I'm not, Stupid! I'm, I'm only 23. I don't. I haven't. I haven't had a successful business yet. I am not in a position to be teaching anyone how to run their company. But I have had an experience in business. I have worked at other startups before. I have, you know, managed staff. I have 
come up with marketing strategies that prove to be successful and stuff like that. So I do have, and I study business, of course. So I do have some business background. I have, you know, probably four or five years sales and, and such. Um, so my idea is that I'm teaching them business English. I'm not teaching them business, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? I'm teaching them probably knowledge that they already have except how to articulate it in English. That's it. That's really what it comes down to. So I, 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 I definitely think I can provide a ton of value in terms of that. And then on top of that, like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a red pill guy, so I'm going to teach them about... I was, I was already thinking about it before. I was like, I want to teach them about the four-hour work week. I want to teach them about, you know, location-independent income. I want to teach them about, you know, PPC. I want to teach them about Bitcoins. Like, yeah. I want to teach them about all these different things that they probably would never learn in school. I still so, want to see guys in Guangzhou, like, walking around cold approaching women and saying, like, oh, yeah, I learned from this guy, Cafe Mocha. He worked he work <laughs> at uh, this school, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, well, again, I have you actually ever cold approached in Guangzhou uh, during the day? During the day, yeah, I actually did. When I met one of the, the guys from Rushmi, Mm-hmm. We we went to like a shopping mall and we're hanging out there for a bit, and then also like walking around uh, the Lieda area. His, his thing was like, just go up to a chick and just like he has like he's got his routine. Like he talks about like Chinese like zodiac signs and stuff. He's been here for a long time. He's married to a Chinese chick, so he, like he's got a lot of stuff to talk about. But he was like, man, just go up to her and like ask her for directions. Um, um, if she speaks English, then you're you're in there pretty much. Like, just go up to her, ask her for directions, ask her, talk to her for a little bit, and then maybe ask for her WeChat, um, set up a date, or just you know maybe even just try and uh, try and like insta date her. You know, so we did we did a little bit. Like I remember when I was at the mall, I remember uh, it was so easy because I remember chicks staring at me, like literally. Just yeah, like, yeah. I get that in, in Vietnam as well, and uh, like. Yeah. I walk around Vietnam right now in, in shorts because it's so fucking hot and I don't have, uh, like, breathable pants that I could wear in humid weather. But, like, you, if you're walking around and you're dressed very well, like, I can see girls are going to stare. Yeah, I was, I, was wearing, I was wearing a full suit. Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing a full suit with a pocket skirt and everything matching my tie. So I just remember, like, chicks, like, staring at me. So I just I went up, but my... The language barrier for me is still it's still a huge hindrance, you know. Um, so I yeah, I went up and I, I talked to the chicks. And I got a WeChat, but I didn't really pursue it that much at the time. Yeah. I haven't really done as much dating as I could, but I really just I want to get my language to a stage where I can actually have conversations with girls, because unlike Vietnam in China like chances are that any chick that you talk to does not speak English unless you go to the foreign bars uh, those are the kind of places where you're going to meet people women that speak English mm-hmm. anyways like I said women that would be another podcast <laughs> okay um, so, so what did I, yeah well after we were talking about like uh, the business English class um, do you want to talk uh, now do you want to like talk about Enter China form and like all it's given you because you've kind of touched on it here and there about the friends and getting set up with the the Bronx guy and stuff, but you haven't really talked about what uh, like what it entails and what's there for people. Just before just before I do that, I just wanted to say one more thing. So part of the one of the other ideas that I gave the school, which would be which is a very simple idea, 
is that I used to go to an entrepreneurship event in Toronto. I won't say the name, but I used to go to an entrepreneurship event. It used to happen every week on a specific day. And, you know, uh, the, the value in that was that it was consistent and, you know, people were coming there and they used to have, like, a, a guest speaker come and probably, you know, give, like, a 15-minute speech. Most of the time they were plugging their business or plugging, like, a book that they've written or some sort of service, right? And, uh you know, the school that I'm working at is a startup. They're struggling to get students um, and they're, they're trying to build a brand. Like the owners of the company, they are, I've actually sat down with the bosses, which is crazy. Like, anyways, anyway, I'll, I'll, let me finish my point. They are in a position where they've got successful companies. They're very successful people, very wealthy people. And they're trying to build sort of like a lifestyle business, uh, sort of branded business in the vein of something that you might find in, you know, North America, right? So they're really not as concerned at this moment in terms of making money. But of course, that's something that they want to do. So they're very open to new ideas. And I think that's why... They're trying to do things differently, right? So I gave them the idea. I was like, okay, if you want to do something different and you want to build a brand, why not host? We've got the perfect venue, perfect location. Why not host some sort of you know, entrepreneurship meetup every week or every two weeks? And in turn, what you're going to do is have foreign people come for the entrepreneurship meetup. And then you have you know, the local Chinese uh, business people come for that. And you can have a guest speaker. And then people can, you know, mingle afterwards and network, and and it, eventually you're going to have a situation where your brand gets bigger, and you're going to have more students signing up for the school, and you know who knows where that could lead, right? And uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm sitting. I, I I propose this to my manager. Next thing you know, I'm sitting in you know the the back room that you can't get into without like a fingerprint and passcode with three of the owners of the business, all multimillionaires. One guy developed the MBA program at Sun Yat-sen University. Ushan Dashway, if you speak Mandarin. Um, and yeah, like I'm sitting there with these fucking guys who are like <laughs> 30 years my senior and fucking made millions of money, millions of, of dollars, probably hundreds of millions of miles. And I'm like... Fucking so, I'm just chilling, man. Like, I'm like, hey, this is my idea. I think this is these are the be the benefits, and they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy. You're listening to a twenty year old. <laughs> <laughs> I pitch my idea, and like, you guys are fucking nuts. Because smoking too much of that uh, that Chinese hash. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it was cool. Like, I sat down with them. We hung out for. They wanted me to like hang out, you know, for like an hour or something. I hadn't had dinner, so I left. But, like, it was just cool to have been in that situation and been as comfortable as I was. And I have to say, hey, man, thank you to fucking pick up for that self-improvement. As much as feminists might, you know, people might falter that. But, like, that was the nexus of me being in that situation. So, yeah. Um, now, you wanted me to talk about Enter China, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Enter China. Uh, my perspective when I first got here was that prize that there aren't that many enter China members actually in Guangzhou at the moment. And it seems like Guangzhou is like a stepping stone. It seems like a lot of people come to Guangzhou to cut their teeth and you know they end up moving to Xi'an or you know 
like somewhat still close. Do you to say Hong they Kong end up like, moving to Shenzhen or Hong Kong? Yeah, Shenzhen mm-hmm. or Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, or even you know somewhat because Shenzhen and Hong Kong are very close to Guangzhou. So anywhere in and around Guangdong province, because this is where all the manufacturing is done. So if you come here and you start a business. Maybe you don't want to live in Guangzhou because Guangzhou is still a more Chinese. After a while, you maybe want to go to Shenzhen or you want to go to Hong Kong because these cities are more westernized and newer and, and slightly well, not newer, but like more westernized. Isn't and, uh, uh, also Shanghai pretty big for manufacturing? I remember bald rushing going on about that. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's not as big as as Guangzhou, mm-hmm. and it's not as big as Guangdong. Like Shanghai also has a trade fair, but it's it's not even like a, it's not you know Shanghai. I think even the products that you would get from Shanghai are, are more are very specific. It would be like a specific industry. It wouldn't be everything. Whereas in Guangzhou, it's in Guangdong, it's everything. It's literally everything. You know, Shenzhen is the uh, electronics and you know yeah electronics and and. Uh, well, how would you, oh, what's, what's the name? Electronics, digital, what digital? What do you call Technology, yeah, technology manufacturing, technological man- manufacturing and stuff. So Guangdong has everything. Anyway, so it seems like, yeah, a lot of people come to, a lot of the into China guys two, three years ago came to Guangzhou, four years ago even, um, and got their, you know, got their feet wet and then moved to these other cities. Another observation I had from the forum itself is that, you know, there's a lot of value. There is a lot of value, but there isn't that much interaction, especially when you are somebody who's been reading, like, the Rushri forum, um, you know, the Rushri forum and, and any of the, like, other forums that I've had where you, there's, like, literally every day there's, like, 100 posts or, you know, 1,000 posts or something like that. On Enter China on a day-to-day basis, there might be, like, three or four posts yeah, what? so I guess you'd liken it to the, uh, well, now, rest in peace, Paradigm Shift Institute, PSI, the uh, yeah. layer forum that used to be in Toronto, which was, like, pretty active when Mocha and I joined, but then it just kind of died, and now it's gone. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was similar to that, except, you know, EnterChina has a ton, has a, quite a few members, like, you know, probably about 100 members, about 40 of them are active. But they just don't post a lot, and I think this is one of those things that it, it has to come with time. It's very new; like well, I'm, it's been a, it's been a, alive for like a year. So for a year, yeah, it's it's pretty good, and I'm happy to be there on the ground, from the ground up, because it's every six months or so they increase the price for memberships, and the real value that I've I've seen is like um, Tim and Nick. They are very accessible. Like, you know, I have their WeChat information. I can contact them anytime. Um, I have their email addresses. I have their phone number and stuff like that. I know where where they are most of the time, at least where they are, like in terms of the city. And for example, uh, Tim is in Shenzhen. He moved to Shenzhen. And if I ever go to Shenzhen, I can, I can. Uh, no, no, he moved to Hong Kong. Sorry. Um, if I ever go to Hong Kong, I can always hit up. Tim anytime and be like, hey, let's, let's meet up and he will make an effort, despite him being so busy, he'll make an effort to come and meet up and, and, and you know, take me around the city or have a beer or whatever it is, right? And if you have any issues, I can always contact those guys, which I've done 
on numerous occasions, any questions, just send them a message on WeChat or send a voice voice uh, message on WeChat, and they get back to you within you know six hours at even like within yeah at the most a day they'll get back to you definitely. And so So, Tim and Nick are the guys who uh, run Elder Life, which is the the I guess you call it um, kind of the blog, and then Enter China is kind of their product. And that yeah, connection, the mastermind form. Yeah. So, so those are, those guys are a big part of the reason why I moved to China. You know, so it's cool that I have a network. This is the this is the biggest benefit of Intergen. It's cool that I have a network of entrepreneurs in China from North America, similar mindsets, and at least twenty percent of them have done exactly what I want to do many times before. And I've been successful at it. And I have a network where I can reach out to Tim and Nick. I can reach out to some of the other guys and just be like, hey, you know, I need to ship out, you know, a thousand boxes of this product uh, to Canada and I need it to be under this price. And they'll be like, okay, contact this guy. This is my, this is my shipper. Let him know that you know me and, you know, and then and you can get it done. Or, for example, a while ago I needed to go to Frosham. And I was with my agent, and my agent was quoting me some ridiculous amount of money to get a private card to go to Foshan. The reason why I needed a private card is because I needed a card to take me around for the day, you know, because the, the metro system in Foshan is complicated. And, uh, you know, my, my agent was quoting me something like uh, $100. And then I contacted the InterChina guys, and one guy hit uh, in, connected me with his driver who charged me $50, literally half, you know, mm. so it's like stuff like that, you know, it's the, the things, the way Tim and Nick even sold it is that essentially you will learn all the things that they've learned, except it took them four years to learn a lot of those things. With Enter China, you can learn all those things in five minutes, you know, you just need to reach out to the people and you know they'll they'll, they'll connect you. So yeah, it's, say, you know, it's always like that time versus money thing with uh, products, right? Like anything, like a book or uh, or a membership form. Because at the time Mocha signed up, I believe the price is five hundred. I don't know what the price is anymore. Do you know? I think it's like six fifty now. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pricey, but it sounds like it's kind of paid its dues because even as stressed as. Because you've been pretty stressed out at times in China, but it seems like it's also saved you a shitload of stress too and money. Well, yeah, man. Like I don't think I would have been able to find an apartment not into China. You know, not in not in a week, not in three four days. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, I, I'd say yeah, there's a ton of value. It's definitely worth six hundred and fifty bucks right now. The things that they can improve on is, I think that for Tim and Nick, at the time when they started. The, the elevator life into China, I think they were in a position where the, the businesses were doing well, but they were not as busy as they are right now. So, which means they're not as hands-on in terms of driving content as they used to be. So, the elevator life, they used to release a ton of episodes. You know, there was like an episode every week or a couple episodes every week. Now, you'll be lucky if you see an episode every couple months, right? Like, it's not, it's not something that they're focused on. And initially, I think, the actual episodes, the YouTube episodes that they had, was to drive con- to drive viewers to their website and ultimately to their businesses. And I think with Enter China, it's the same thing. 
they just don't have a ton of time to really drive content onto the EnterChina website. The content that's there is amazing, but there isn't that much new content being produced. So I think those are things that they can improve on in terms of EnterChina. Yeah. And, and this, this is... Oh, sorry. You keep going. I was going to say part of the problem is the users, including myself. I... You know, I log in when I need to log in, and then I log in when I need some information, when I want to read information about how to do a Kickstarter campaign or how to develop a certain product. I do that, but I'm not there every day. I'm not posting up. Uh, I'm not, like, you know, having a ton of conversations with people. Um, also, yeah, one more benefit was that the Entertainer guys, I posted it up. Um, you know, I have my mastermind, no excuses, accountability group. And we do that every week, and all the members are from InterChina. So that's another one of those things. Like I probably wouldn't have been able to assemble a crew of entrepreneurs for that without InterChina. Yeah, I was actually going to ask how connected you feel to entrepreneurs, but you kind of answered my question. But I wanted to point out one thing is uh, when I was thinking of moving abroad, I actually contacted, I believe it was Nick, and asked him about... Um, the type of stuff I was doing, which is more, it's less manufacturing and again, more content creation about starting up in China. And he recommended against it. And um, because of infrastructure and internet, I can see why. And Vietnam was a much better choice for me. I've even seen that in a month. But I was just curious um, on InterChina, the members, are they mostly doing like product development and manufacturing? Or do you see anyone doing kind of like more? Uh, internet-based marketing or something like that. Yeah, I've got actually a couple couple people I know who are doing internet-based marketing, um, but it's it is definitely ninety percent product uh, manufacturing, mm-hmm. definitely product development, manufacturing, and uh, you know, sourcing and this kind of stuff. Which I almost completely forgot about sourcing. So I mentioned earlier that the guy from Mentor China contacted me and wants me to uh, work with him obviously like I basically I think I'll be commissioned in the future while I, I, I you know I think on his clients through his reputation. But yeah, I think that at the moment the Kickstarter campaign is probably I'm gonna put it on hold. Uh, it seems like life is pushing me in a direction where I need to advance my career at this Chinese startup. And I think sourcing is probably my best option in terms of making money right now. And, uh, you know, that's that's pretty much what I want to do. I want to, he's told me as well, like, sort of his plans. He wants to revamp his website. He's got a few ideas as to what he wants to do. Because before, when we did sourcing projects, we would let somebody, you know, contact us, send us, you know, you know your 3D rendering or whatever product you want to do. And then we would go do some initial research, kind of come up with a, a price quotation um, as to how much it's going to cost you to develop the product and also, you know, our fee, right? But the thing about that is you're doing research for somebody before they pay you. That takes quite a bit of time, takes quite a bit of effort, uh, quite a bit of back and forth with the factories and stuff. So now he wants to put, he wants to make it a situation where the we don't do anything until you pay us, which for me is amazing because before, I mean, I, I definitely want to learn. That's I was completely fine with doing research before getting paid because I, I just wanted to take on as many projects as possible and, and learn. But now if I'm getting paid beforehand, that's also going to force me to uh, 
to be more efficient and, and to be more focused in terms of my research and stuff and, and to get shit done. So I'm excited for that going forward. Yeah. Because yeah, now we're kind of talking more into the future, like your future plans are kind of closing up uh, this uh, this epic, epic two-part series. But um, one question I want to know is, like, all this stuff is happening for you in Guangzhou, and maybe you can't answer this again because you don't really know where life is going to take you, but do you see yourself kind of staying in Guangzhou for a long-term time, like another year or two years, or do you think after maybe a year you're going to want to move somewhere else? Because the last time I talked to you, or, well, the last time I talked to you about this specific subject, you're kind of like, you know, I see myself as the type of person who wants to move around maybe every, like, six months, one year to, like, a new country. Do you think you'll probably move from Guangzhou uh, soon, or do you think you're kind of going to set up a base there until you get really established? Well, I'm definitely going to set up a base here until I get really established. It all depends. I, I think what I was thinking about with my current job is if I do go down this business English thing, I want to do that for maybe six months to a year. And just I want to see how far I can take that if I can sort of build up some sort of reputation in the city, if I can get my name out there. Then, then I could probably quit and, and do something else because I feel like it could be something, for example, one of my students, she's not even a student yet, but she came to sit in on the course yesterday. She works at the, you know, the W Hotel, which anyone knows the W, it's a five-star hotel in any country in the world. And, you know, I won't say her position, but she works at the W Hotel, and me knowing, me meeting someone like that could be as small as me getting a free dinner at the W. It could be as large as me meeting the general manager and, and doing some sort of business with a general manager. That's where I see this, you know, possible, like, the, the entrepreneurship meetup thing and also the business English course going. Like, if one of the guys from the W wants to improve his English, he might come and take my course, or if it, it could be anybody, right? So that's sort of where I see myself for the next six months to a year. Um, other than that, like, if there's nothing really holding me in Guangzhou, if I'm doing sourcing, then I could be in Shenzhen, which Shenzhen is pretty awesome. It's similar to Hong Kong. I could be in Shenzhen, and I'll, I'll be happy in Shenzhen for a couple of years. And if I need to do something in Guangzhou, Shenzhen is only about an hour away from Guangzhou. I can always pop over to the city, or to Foshan, or any of the surrounding cities, um, if I need to visit a factory. So to answer your question, I think I'll be in Guangzhou probably for six months to a year. And then I'll reevaluate my situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like the same thing with me in Saigon. Because, I mean, there's a lot of pros to Saigon. There's some cons. Like, uh, some of the girls I've been on dates with, they've been like, yeah, you came to Saigon at, like, the worst time. It's so hot, and then it's going to rain for three months. But um, there are two cities I was deciding between, which is Saigon and Chiang Mai. And Chiang Mai is horribly polluted right now um, to the point of wearing gas masks. But... Uh, I just wanted, after moving around so much in Toronto, just like in one city, I wanted to sit somewhere, grind, now I've got like a good job, and I'm doing my content creation, I'm happy, I just want to sit and enjoy and just, you know, work it out. And then in the summer, travel around, but right now that's not my plan, so I totally get what you're saying. But um, do you want to touch more on any else, anything else with your future plans, or? Future plans? Um... I mean, I definitely still want to go into you know, Kickstarter um, campaigns. One other thing I didn't mention before is that 
one of the cool things about coming to China is when you get here, you see your mind just expands. It expands like tenfold. Like yeah, I remember my first couple of weeks here, I was just like, "Fuck, I could do this. I could do this. This this business idea. This business. Oh my god, this is crazy. I can't believe we don't have this in Canada. Like it was just one of those things where it's like there's a million things you could do." And the hardest thing is picking one and focusing on it. That's why yeah, I really want to focusing and putting putting the blinders on. And also, one thing that I, I know you'll agree with me because you're the one who said this is when you move to Asia, your life just speeds up. And like in the yeah. past month, I'm just like, wow. Like I've been in Vietnam for a month, and it's like, you know, I was in a hotel, and then I got like an apartment, and then I just banged this chick, and then like I got this job, and I went for all these interviews, and this and this and this. And I'm like, holy shit! And then there's like my content stuff, business, and this, and meeting all these people, like, your life moves incredibly fast. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of, uh, what was I saying? You get a ton of business ideas. Well, you're just saying, and then you see, like, oh, why don't we have this in Canada, and this type of stuff? Just before that, that was, that was like, what did I say? Just before that, I mentioned Just before mentioning, like, stuff in Canada, um, you're yeah. saying your mind expands? When you first come to China, your mind expands. And I don't know, I had a point when I, because I, you know, I was, I was explaining a little bit before, before I brought it back. Your mind expands, well, do you remember what I said just before that? Before your mind expands? Well, was, you're just saying mainly a point. You're just saying your mind expands. You're thinking of all these business ideas that you're seeing around, why don't we have this? And it's like you have to focus. You have to put blinders on. You have to choose something. It was more than that. I just know it. But anyways, but uh, yeah, my point, the thing that I was saying is like, your mind expands a lot. You have a ton of business ideas. The hardest thing is picking one. And that's the cool thing about being in China, right? So, uh, like, I don't know, you know, where the what the future might hold. And, you know, I just hope that, like, the stuff that I'm doing right now will lead me towards something, in it, especially being at, you know, the, the place, the startup that I'm at the connections that I'm meeting, you know, you can do a lot of different things, man. You can do a lot of different things. So, you know, the crazy thing is China can be frustrating at times, can be, you know, really, really, you can have a ton of China days, but at the end of the day, the benefits outweigh any negatives that you're here for. This is, you know, as people have said in the past, this is the wild, wild east, man. Like, in the same vein that you can go out in China and spend $40 in a night and have a crazy, crazy night out, or you can ball out, on, you know, a hundred dollars, and you know, you're, you're treating three, or four of your friends to like a three, four, three course meal or something. Uh, at the same time, you, you have to deal with red tape. You have to deal with people staring at you on, in the metro. You have to deal with like, you know, like kids. Like every day when I walk around, kids are like, "Hello, hello, hello." I'm just like, I can't say hello to every single person I see. You know? <laughs> People secretly recording you on the metro, and I'm like, I guess it's fascinating that I'm standing here. It's like, oh my god, it's a mirage. It's a black guy. We didn't even know yeah, those existed. It's not even just me. It's like even it doesn't matter if you're just you're just a foreigner. That's it. Like I've had two year old kids. I'm walking past them and they say, "We go red," which means foreigner. And I'm like, why does? When I was two years old, I did not know the word foreigner. Like, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know the word foreigner, so. You know, there's there's all these weird things that you have to deal with, and it can be exhausting at times because, you know, I'm you are, you and myself are similar. Like I'm I'm introverted at times. Yeah, I'm an introvert by nature. 
it might sound strange if you know my personality through the podcast and whatever, but I am an intro, introvert by nature. I've had to change my thinking. Like, I like to be alone sometimes. Certain days, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's not. I'm not depressed or anything like that. I just need me time. And on those days, I might still have to go to the store and buy water or buy some snacks, buy some groceries, whatever. And in Toronto, I could do that like fairly, you know, discreetly. Just put on headphones, walk around. No one's staring at me. You know, I, I, I dress down like I'm not wearing a fucking full suit or anything like that. So no one's really paying attention to me. And I just go and do my thing and go home. Whereas here, that's impossible. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing a full suit doesn't matter if I'm wearing a fucking G-string. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing, you know, sweatpants. People are still going to stare at me. Like, I walk outside and I'm not really in the mood to have a ton of eyes on me, but I still do that. I still have that. It doesn't change. And that's China. But, like I said, the, the positives significantly outweigh the negatives. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Change. The same thing with Vietnam, but, uh, yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up was like, do you remember you sent me that article on Wikipedia about the, I think it's the four stages of culture yeah, shock. Yeah, of culture shock, yeah. So the first one is the honeymoon period. The second one is frustration. I don't know, the third one was sort of like uh, adaptation or something like this. Um, and the fourth one was like acceptance and immersion. No, no, the, the third one was like acceptance and then the fourth one was immersion. Yeah. So, you know, the first one is the honeymoon period. It doesn't matter what's going on. People are staring at you all the time. People are saying, Wigar, and you're just like, ha this is China. Ha <laughs> awesome. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, let's go eat snake. Oh, amazing. Oh, wait, we're, we're eating rat. Oh, that's cool. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Then the, then the second one is like frustration, which is like, oh, my God, fuck, like, are you, are you serious right now? Like, you, you're really going to make me fucking... You're really going to take a picture of me in the metro without asking my permission? Well, are you, your kids are really going to run up run up to me and scream, wake our end? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I just want to get to the fucking subway. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the, the third one would be acceptance, where you kind of go like, well, this is the culture, and, you know, it is what it is. I'm here, and you just, you know, just kind of accept it for what it is and then the fourth one is immersion where you speak the language you, you understand the culture you've been in those awkward situations before you still keep obviously your natural culture you still keep your old culture but you're pretty much immersed in the new one right now i'm in the frustration phase you know before i went on my vacation to zambia i was in the honeymoon period now i'm in the frustration phase somewhat trying to Fast forward to the acceptance phase. But yeah, I'm definitely in the frustration phase. If your frustration phase is getting promoted to a management position, I think you're doing a pretty damn good job. I was going to say, despite all the positives, like <laughs> I still get I still get irritated about certain things on a day-to-day basis. And I just go like, oh, I have to <laughs> take a breather. You know, I have to take a breather. But yeah, that's, that's, I think that's... Uh, I think it's a good place to end it. Yeah, that's a pretty epic overview of uh, China. Um, yeah. yeah, so let's wrap it up. You want to you wanna tell people where they can find us? Yeah, sure. Actually, one more thing. I'll just say that, you know, yeah, definitely. If you feel like you're in a, stuck in a job somewhere and you, you have, you're ambitious or you, you 
kind of have an idea of what you want to do, but you're not sure. Um, if if it's internet based, probably don't come to China. But if it's anything else, come to China. You know, you can live on a small budget. You can have a good life. You need to be strong. There are no weak bitches in China. That's that's the that's the reality of the situation. Weak bitches don't last in China. But you can come here. You can you can live on a budget. You can create something. You can build a life, and eventually, obviously, live wherever you want to live. So, you know. Take into consideration all the stuff that I've talked about, and don't be afraid to move. Don't be afraid to move. There's a lot of people here. There's a lot of foreigners. People will help you as long as you reach out. And uh, yeah, that's it. So if you wanna, if you wanna leave any comments about the podcast, you can message us. Uh, send us an email at redpillgen at gmail dot com. That's G E N. You know, of course, the website with the articles, show links. It's www.redpillgen.com. And uh, Twitter, of course, follow us at Red Pill Gen, Gen G E N. We've got Facebook, same thing, Red Pill Generation, and uh, yeah, iTunes. Man, we need we need reviews. We've got a we've got a few reviews right now, quite a few. We need more. You know, I see you guys. I see you guys on Stitcher <laughs> listening to us. See all the subscribers we have on on Squarespace. Don't make me ask too many times, man. We'll come and hunt you. We'll come and hunt you down. We'll fly all the way from Vietnam and China and come get you. I'm putting cases. Oh, Oh, you bitches! (laughs) Y'all be playing basketball in Pelican Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, yeah, it's funny because uh, well, it's not funny, but like Mocha and I haven't uh, been face to face with each other in what, like seven months now. Yeah, it's been long, yeah? Yeah, so we're trying to figure out how, uh, well, we're trying to organize a trip with a lot of guys in the summer to travel around Southeast Asia, but we're trying to figure out if Mokin can come here to Saigon or I can go to to uh, Guangzhou. And um, just to give you an example of, like, flight costs and stuff, my flight from Hong Kong to get here to Saigon was something like 150 bucks Canadian. So that's the other thing. It's just, like, um, when you get to... Asia from North America, your prices just get cut by, you know, two, three, four times. It's just nuts what you can do. So I also recommend it. I've only been again in Vietnam for a month, and I'm sure probably more in the in the episode we'll do on digital nomadry. I can talk more about my experiences so far, but you can definitely gain a lot in terms of your lifestyle and what you can get if you move to Asia. Oh, I completely forgot. This is one aspect I didn't mention about in the podcast is the cost of living. But uh, I think that's going to be another. That's going to be one for another episode. Yeah. Um, but right now, I'm, I'm actually looking at. I'm looking at moving. I already mentioned I pay three hundred and thirty right now for a two bedroom apartment, um, which is just on the out, not the outskirts of the city, but it's like it's a little bit further away from the city center. Still, definitely in the city. Uh, if you're in Toronto, let's say Union Station would be downtown, the heart of downtown. I'm probably by, I'd say, just before Eglinton, you know, um, somewhere around there. Maybe even like York Mills. I'm probably in that area. So I pay like $330. I'm looking at moving to an apartment, uh, one bedroom in the city center. Nice apartment, one bedroom condo. Looking at. Four hundred and fifty dollars a month, 
for my own place. So, yeah, that's you know, kind of that's actually really similar to <laughs> Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's pretty sweet. Like, you know, the cost of living. You can, like I said, you can have a good life on a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, for sure. All right. right. Yep, guys, thanks for tuning in. Again, let us know if you have any questions. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear. The camera's here and the Trying to cash his microphone, check two, one, two, wanna believe my own.